Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to this month's Emerging Market Lens and Look Through podcast. I am your host, Damian Sassauer, and today we are joined by Mr. Claudio Erosian, head of Latin America FX and Fixed Income Strategy at Bank of America. Claudio, a real privilege to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you very much, Damian. It's a, the pleasure is mine, and uh, looking forward to have a, a, a great discussion. Well, then let's crack on and get right into it, Claudio. I mean, we have to start with Argentina. You know, Argentina's sovereign bonds fell to a fresh low last week. You know, reserves are in decline. Inflation is running hot. Um, you know, the nation's public debt burden is nothing short of spectacular. And obviously, since the Peronist bloc lost six of eight Senate races some time ago, you know, Fernandez has taken, quite frankly, a more populist stance in the minds of investors. Um, and, you know, my question for you is, can we expect the country's fundamentals to continue to deteriorate at the pace we're seeing? Um, you know, curious what happens in your thoughts with the IMF here. Um, and quite frankly, is there any value in, in, in the bonds? I mean, any thoughts on current valuations? Sure. Well, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Argentina um, will we have tough times uh, in the coming months. Uh, the imbalances remain the same. Um, in particular, inflation is, um, is still moving higher. Um, there is no uh, proper plan to tackle uh, inflation dynamics, inflation expectations. The, the imbalances, as I mentioned before, with uh, such a strict capital controls um, probably are not uh, reflected as much as uh, if you had no capital controls, but, uh, but there is a lot of uh, pressure under the surface. Uh, that they will eventually burst, um, and there's no magic there. So, so probably we want to see a further deterioration uh, from here. Unfortunately, presidential elections are not around the corner, uh, not like in Brazil that they have presidential elections in October. So um, I have the sense that um, we're not going to see any meaningful change on the macroeconomic backdrop for better until uh, the next administration. Um, the IMF program is a sort of a backstop, uh, but not uh, strict enough uh, to avoid derailing or, or, or worsening or some of the imbalances. I would say it's a relatively soft program. Um, it helped to avoid the worst case scenario sooner uh, than otherwise, but, uh, but, but it doesn't seem that it's enough. On the on the technical side, also um, we we have some um, some issues because uh, the technical position is is not great. Every time we have, for whatever reason, a two, three, four dollar rally, uh, a lot of sellers appear. So even if we had good news on the on the fundamentals, um, technical positions will will not help. On the political front, both the opposition and uh, the uh, ruling coalition, the government coalitions are, are quite fragmented. Uh, so it's, uh, it's hard to tell uh, who's going to emerge as a leader on one side or, or, or the other. Um, so I would say it's too early to play uh, the regime change trade as many investors or many uh, clients are asking us uh, nowadays. 
um, that, that there is a sense that the things can turn for better with the next administration, but um, and, and obviously you don't want to be long Argentina if that happens uh, one month before the election. You want to put the tray earlier in the game, uh, and the question is what is the optimum time for that trade, and that we would say that probably we would need to wait until the beginning of next year to have more clarity on the political front. Well, it's funny, you mentioned the elections, and you know, you mentioned, you know, Brazil also, and we have some elections coming up there. You know, we, I mean, look, pers persistent price shocks have forced Brazilian policymakers to extend uh, a tightening cycle that is already added. I mean, what, 1,125 basis points to borrowing costs in just over a year, Claudio. What are you looking for from the BCB at their July meeting? I mean, how are markets reacting? And are markets, uh, when are they going to begin trading on that October election that's coming up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, two, two great questions. The market participants have been trying to receive rates for quite a while uh, unsuccessfully. And, and Brazil could be the first uh, opportunity to receive rates in size. Uh, but you, you need to check uh, a few conditions for, for that to make sense. First of all, the Central Bank of Brazil needs to signal that they are done with the hikes. We expect another 50 basis points more. Um, and, uh, and, and they can do 50, 75, uh, but pretty much they are done with the hiking cycle. Uh, I am sure the Central Bank of Brazil will not feel comfortable hiking uh, coming into the election. Um, and uh, they would like to be as neutral as possible on, on the electoral front. Uh, but the question still remains whether inflation will behave or not. And, and the, the truth of the matter is that across every single country for the last 18 months, inflation surprised to the upside 70% of the time, which means that inflation has been way more persistent everywhere in the US and everywhere than what people and central banks thought. And central banks need to be mindful of that and, and not to close the door for more hikes um, because that will cost a lot in terms of credibility. So probably the central bank will say, we've, we've done the homework, enough is enough. Uh, that's one condition. The second condition, I think, is what happened with U.S. rates. Um, in just one week, the market uh, went from, oh, the Fed needs to hike uh, a thousand basis points to now, oh, the Fed uh, is, is hiking too much too fast and the recession is coming and we're going to have a recession next week. And therefore, the market reprised even the front end of the curve, not only the long end. So, as you know, uh, sentiment can change very quickly, um, many times not necessarily uh, based on, on, on fundamentals, um, how much positioning is affecting the price action in U.S. rates. Um, I mean, to, I, I think a lot. Uh, but, but definitely um, the Central Bank of Brazil will feel more comfortable saying, I am done with the hikes if we see some stability in U.S. rates than if we see the Fed aggressively hiking or even surprising the market on the hawkish side. Um, so those two conditions are, are needs to be met, and if those conditions are met, I would I would call for the for the for the significant rally in Brazilian rates. The market will shrug off a lot of the hikes and start pricing cuts very aggressively if they receive that signal. Whether that will happen or not, we'll see. But those are the conditions that we need to meet in order to for, for the market to feel comfortable receiving. And I would argue that if that is the case, especially because of the U.S. component, the market participants will start to look for receiving in other places too, if they think that we've seen the worst in terms of U.S. rates, which I do not think is the case, but 
uh, that's the, the way the market will trade. So, you know, you mentioned the U.S. and, you know, there's no avoiding it. I mean, you know, you know, all correlations point to one when we have times of distress and everything is following the Fed here. And so, you know, my question for you is, where do you place the risk of a U.S. recession here? I mean, and, and more importantly, is the Fed put dead? I mean, do we see any levels perhaps, you know, is it, is it the credit markets we need to be looking at, the fixed income markets? Is it the equity markets? Is there a certain level at which, you know, the Fed might, you know, begin to uh, pump the brakes on on, on tightening. Um, I, I, I'm just curious, you know, if you have any thoughts there. And more to the point, if the U.S. does, you know, dip into recession, um, is that actually a good thing for emerging markets and for Latin America in particular? Uh, well, it's uh, as as we discussed uh, the the other day. It's very difficult to understand the reaction function of the Fed. Um, it's it's been quite. Uh, um, Difficult to read, I would say, in the last few weeks, months. Um, from a normative point of view, I would say that the Fed put should be dead. Whether they will uh, bring it to the surface again, uh, depending on how um, how much more painful the uh, repricing is going forward for asset prices, it's hard to it's hard to tell. Um, uh, again. This this week, the market is entertaining the idea that the recession is around the corner, especially a global slowdown, uh, and 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 the perception is that the Fed might not need to be that aggressive. Um, so, the question is, if inflation remains high and persistent, will the Fed surprise the markets? Just deliver what the markets are pricing in? I mean, you can argue that the Fed did seventy five, but the market priced the seventy five before the Fed. So that was not uh, a surprise uh, to the market. It was just a marking to market uh, of the Fed. Um, I think the key will be inflation dynamics and inflation expectations. If inflation expectations start to move, and that is my biggest concern, that inflation became so entrenched already that it's affecting inflation expectations in a more structured way, the Fed will not have the leeway to um, to even entertain the idea of having that uh, put again. Um, it's different from what we are observing, for instance, in the ECB, where the ECB is, is uh, definitely thinking about the idea of doing something about the, the deals in the periphery, which is uh, another way of, uh, of uh, having a put on, or at least a subset of the assets um, in, in Europe. Uh, and it's going to be extremely confusing and, and probably cost a loss in terms of credibility for, for the ECB to hike interest rates at the same time they do some credit control or, 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 or some sort of QE to deal with the, with the periphery. Uh, but, but in the case of the Fed, I mean, the, the fiscal dominance problem, if you want, is less severe and, and they don't need to address it uh, right away. Um, the, the question to me is still whether the Fed wants to pay uh, the costs that uh, needs to be paid in order to bring inflation down to levels closer to 3% in a more sustained basis. And I don't think that can happen without necessarily being ready to deal with a recession uh, that at this point is extremely difficult to determine whether it's going to be a deep one, a long one, um, uh, but the determination of the Fed, mm, I don't think we have enough evidence that they, it's there. 
Uh, yeah. no, I mean, I mean, Claudia, what, what you're hitting on is exactly what, what, what I believe also. The Fed has a credibility problem, you know, plain and simple. And, you know, this is something that's usually reserved for, you know, central banks in our neck of the woods and emerging markets. But it's the uncertainty that's been created and, you know, the way it's amplifying volatility across asset markets uh, and, and valuations is, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's an, it's an issue. It's a problem specifically for high beta classes such as ours. So, yeah, no, I mean, we completely agree. But, you know, when we talk about credibility and we talk about inflation fighting credibility, we cannot talk about Mexico, right? Bonsico has basically just delivered a 75 basis point rate hike. It's taken the base rate to seven and three quarters. I mean, with inflation running now at a 21 year high, I mean, how much more is needed until Mexico begins pumping the brakes? Are they early on in the cycle? I mean, and further to that, you know, what do you make of this recent kind of rhetoric uh, from the U.S. here that Mexico's energy's policies are violating the USMCA free trade agreement? I'm curious, curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, on 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 Mexico, uh, on Mexico first. Um, I, I, I forgot to mention that the official call we have for the Fed is uh, 75, 50, and then clips of 25 until reaching 4, 425. Oh, wow, 425. Uh, okay, yeah, interesting. Four, 4 to 425. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't put a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, emphasis on, on, on that terminal rate. I think uh, it's going to be more important the speed, to be honest. Yes. Um, in terms of uh, shaping inflation expectations, uh, but uh, but that obviously influences a lot uh, what Banxico is doing because Banxico is probably the central bank in the end that follows the Fed more closely in terms of the pace, and and clearly they care a lot about bringing stability to the peso, um, and 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 that's why they they don't want the interest rate differential to um, to to change that much. Um, I wouldn't say independently of inflation dynamics in Mexico, but I would say that uh, definitely uh, the, 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 the peso in itself is an important factor. Um, the, what we have there, not surprisingly, is uh, another um, 175 basis points for Banxico. Uh, so 75 more, because that's what Banxico signal. We had 75 for this, this week, Banxico deliver. Um, we had also... 75 more, Banxico signaled those uh, 75 this week, and then we have 50 and two clips of 25. So if there is going to be a decoupling from the Fed, it's going to be more towards the end of the hiking cycle and not necessarily now. Um, I, I don't think that if the Fed does uh, 75, Banxico would, would feel comfortable doing less than that. Uh, we don't think, uh, and, um, and 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 that's why we we try to calibrate uh, as much as possible the dynamics of Anxico to the dynamics of of the Fed. If the Fed, for some reason, does fifty, will Anxico do seventy five? Um, probably yes. Probably Anxico will feel comfortable on that. Depending on, I think it will. It's going to depend a lot on how how volatile the peso is and why the Fed decides to uh, to do 50 rather than 75. Um, again, the market shrug off a lot of uh, hikes in, in, in the last week, and but that can change easily coming into the, into the next meeting. I think we're going to have a lot of volatility and a lot of repricing of rates at the beginning of the month every month, which is around the inflation prints. Every time we're going to have an inflation print, we're going to have a lot of noise. Um, probably the noise will be <laughs> towards 
uh, higher rates, but uh, but uh, every inflation print is going to be extremely noisy, um, I would say, until the end of the year at least. Yeah, no, I mean, historically, we've seen that rate cycles in emerging markets are synchronous with uh, sequential prints on inflation, and that will most assuredly be the case this time around. You know, we can't talk about the region without talking about some of the things that are going on on the political scene, certainly Gustavo Petro being elected as president of Colombia, um, kind of reinforces this populist wave we're seeing spread across Latin America, well, not just Latin America, the broader EM complex. And so curious to hear your thoughts on the change and quite frankly, how this might impact the nation's investability. I mean, how should investors position in Colombia, if at all, amid the politics of the moment? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a key question for the region. Um, we we've seen this move uh towards uh, uh more populism or the left pretty much in every single country uh, let's see what brazil uh delivers uh, in a few months i would say that um in the case of petro we need to understand better uh whether petro will be more similar to amlo uh, more similar to boric um, more similar to even more more extreme left uh, uh, um, administrations um, in terms of uh, how much he will respect the independence of the central bank. Remember that in, in Colombia, the Minister of Finance has a seat at the board of uh, Banrep, um, whether uh, he will continue with the subsidies uh, to, uh, to gasoline, uh, whether he will mess up uh, with Ecopetrol or not, um, whether he will uh, really move forward with the, uh, ref the reform of the pension system, which is very popular among many countries. Uh, the perception being that, uh, that we need to go back to a pay-as-you-go uh, system, which to some extent or to a large extent uh, hides the possibility of the government to use the money from the pension system to, to finance the current spending. Um, so, so there are a lot of ifs, but one thing that uh, we learn from AMLO is that uh, you can be fiscally responsible, at least relative to expectations, uh, because to be honest, AMLO used a lot of rainy funds to, um, to finance uh, uh, current spending, but overall we can say that uh, AMLO was uh, relatively fiscally responsible and still not create the conditions for having um, an investment boom in the country. So uh, investment has been collapsing for many years in Mexico. Mexico used to grow one and a half times uh, the US and, 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 and Mexico is growing probably half of the US growth in the last uh, few years. So investment has been uh, a, a drag because the conditions to invest in Mexico uh, are not there. There are a lot of uh, discussions about the possibility of Mexico uh, benefiting from reshoring uh, in, in this uh, new wave of uh, uh, anti-globalization or, 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 or more uh, national policies. Well, the, 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 in theory, Mexico should benefit. All the conditions are there. But you need to set the tone and to provide the public policies and the framework for investment uh, to come to your country. And to your previous questions about this back and forth with the U.S. on violation of the USMCA on the energy sector, that doesn't help. Uh, so you you need to have a, a clear rules of the game, uh, and and those rules of the game needs to be 
respected over time. Um, we are having a new constitution that is discussed in, in Chile. Uh, at some point, Peru thought about the same thing to change the constitution. Um, Petro will not have, a, a, at least at the beginning, a strong command on the Congress, but uh, he could easily form coalitions being uh, obviously the dominant force uh, or, 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 or having, I mean, running the executive power can form very important coalitions in Congress. And if he really end up controlling Congress, let's see how much he wants to do on, on, on those fronts in terms of uh, changing the, the rules of the game. So I think the market will be uh, waiting uh, to see what he needs to offer. Um, everything indicates that he will come up with economic team that will be reasonable, sort of uh, following the, the Boric uh, approach uh, of uh, bringing Marcel uh, to to deliver some or, or to offer some 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 credibility to the to the market. Um, but the question is, if if the if if the economy is not uh, picking up, we enter into a global recession. There are really tough trade-offs out there. Um, all those countries. Uh, what is going to be the um, the bias? The bias will be to really respect the budget constraint, uh, or to say, well, we're going to put people first, and then we're going to spend as much as we need because the economy is not growing, and we need to redistribute money. We need to put money into people's pockets. So. Uh, that will be the big test. Um, uh, we are not there yet, but uh, that that will be really the big test to see whether those uh, uh, so-called or perceived populist administrations will uh, will be more fiscally responsible or not. Well, you know, you mentioned Gabriel Bork. You mentioned Chile's new constitution, which is going to be put uh, to a national referendum on September the fourth. And look, you know, from my perspective, investors remain on the sidelines until there's more legal and regulatory clarity and. You know, we've now seen six consecutive quarters of stimulus fuel GDP gains in Chile, but it appears to be rolling over now and the curve has certainly flattened sharply. Indeed, you know, Chile, if you're just, you know, looking at the market and the shape of the curve is probably going to be one of the first major emerging market economies to to dip into recession. So I guess my thoughts, my, my, my question for you, is, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is obviously LATAM's highest quality uh, issuer of sovereign debt. Um, could we expect that to to remain? Do we expect some weakness ahead? I mean, what do the fundamentals look like there? Yeah, on on, on credit, we we remain underweight. Uh, Chile, we think that the spreads are too tight relative to the potential risks out there. Obviously, the discussion of the new constitution is not a surprise to anyone, but uh, it's far from obvious whether uh, there will be a, a rejection of the new draft in the in the referendum in September or not. And, and as you mentioned, the economy uh, ended up being more resilient on the growth, uh, on the consumption side, I would say, uh, than what people expected, which means that the current account deficit uh, widened uh, significantly. And um, and we are seeing now um, a dynamic of, of the peso that, uh, I mean, a much weaker peso because of the deterioration in the terms of trade, because in the case of Chile, um, Chile export uh, copper and metals in general, but uh, but they import 100% of the oil, and obviously the term of trade deteriorated significantly with the drop in copper prices way way deeper than uh, than the drop in in oil, um, and 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 that will probably signal uh, a slowdown in economic activity going forward. 
and this is what the market is pricing in in terms of cuts. We have some, uh, we are kind of skeptical about whether the Central Bank of Chile will be able to engineer um, those cuts, aggressive cuts, that quickly. Uh, because even though economic activity might decelerate, uh, it's going to take a while for inflation to really uh, move significantly lower. Inflation will be way more persistent everywhere, not only in Chile. And delivering the cuts that the market is pricing in, which, by the way, was to some extent uh, guided by, by the central bank. The central bank has been on the camp uh, that the, they were going to hike uh, aggressively, but quickly reverse those hikes. Um, I, I think those, those, if those cuts happen, is uh, it means that the central bank will start cutting interest rates when inflation is still very high, um, which again will um, have a dent on, on on the credibility of the central bank, which but I, I have to say is still very high, um, and, and in that sense. In that sense, body didn't interfere uh, with the with the job of the central bank uh, at all. Um, so, so that that's I think the the next challenge for for Chile, um, and 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 I think it's a challenge for every single country. If we are moving into a world of uh, stagflation, in which economic activity slow down but inflation remains high, um, what is going to be the reaction of the central banks? And even the governments are, going to, are they going to try to do more fiscal uh, to uh, pump up economic activity? Are they going to uh, put uh, the emphasis on bringing inflation down? Um, it, it's hard to tell because in, yeah. in the case of emerging market, at least we've been there many times. In the case of developed markets, it's a relatively new phenomenon, uh, and 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 what the reaction function is going to be remains to be seen. Um, I would say in the case of the U.S probably midterm elections could be uh, one wake-up call in terms of understanding what people want. Um, but um, but it's going to be definitely very, very interesting and unfortunately very volatile too. Well, well, look, we only have a few more minutes here, but I can't let you walk without at least, you know, broaching the topic of, um, of Latin American currencies. You know, in emerging markets, if you look at the 21 majors, there are five that are up versus the dollar this year. Four are Latin America in nature. But Look, you know, commodity currency correlations are not what they once were 10 years ago, right? So, you know, just curious to hear your thoughts on currency drivers across Latin America and how you feel investors should be positioning in the current environment. Yeah, well, I, I, I think uh, uh, when you think about Latin America, obviously, you're going to have the, the benefit of a high commodity prices if, if we continue. Or, 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 I mean, needless to say, if we entered into a global recession and commodity prices drop, Latin America will be the first one to suffer, but if if we remain with um, with, with current commodity prices levels, I would say that the Latin America should outperform the rest of uh, of EM. Uh, but the main question to me is is uh, is the dollar, um, whether we are seeing a Fed um, more hawkish and taking the lead on 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 the fight on inflation. Uh, if that is the case, definitely the dollar will continue strengthening and there will be no place to hide. There will be some relative winners or losers. Um, maybe the Mexican peso might stay as, as a relative winner because Mexico will try to follow closely the Fed. Um, some some carry currencies uh, like uh, Brazil can stand also, but that will depend a lot on whether we're going to have a, a, a nasty surprises on 
on the elections or, or a lot of volatility, imagine a rig election or something like that. But uh, absent those, uh, those risks, uh, probably Brazil can also perform. Um, but 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 more uh, China-related uh, currencies like uh, Chile uh, could or Peru can can suffer more. Um, the the if the Fed um, does um, a poor job uh, dealing with inflation, eventually the dollar will weaken. Uh, but. Uh, the Fed will not say, I'm not going to do anything about inflation. I don't care about inflation. I'm okay that inflation is uh, 5% for the next uh, five years. The most likely scenario is that the market will think that what they don't do now, they're going to have to do it later. So the right. the, the ability for the dollar to, to weaken uh, is going to be less clear than the possibility that the dollar strengthen if the Fed really goes serious on inflation. So I would say that the bias is for... Um, for, for EM currencies to trade not so well within the next 12 months, uh, assuming that the Fed does what it takes to bring inflation down to re- re- relatively reasonable levels. Claudio, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your views with us here today. And thank you to our audience for your ever enduring, always committed listening to our podcast, to our show, for your continued interest. Keep well, stay safe, and keep moving forward. Take good care. Bye now.